Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. Welcome to episode 329 of the AFTN podcast. I am the scourge of Richmond 2nd Division crossbars, Joe DC. I am joined by the Royals Royce of podcasters, it's Gideon Hill. Thanks, Joe. Also with me is the Honda Civic of Analysis, it's Peter Hicken. Thanks, Joe. There's still, there's still room for improvement on those ones. You're a fuel efficient... Um, oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you're bang for your buck. Like Your analysis per word is fantastic. I see. Yes. All right. okay. <laughs> um, opening question this week, gentlemen. Um, if you had to lead a tour of the Whitecaps' new signings, so a group of them, it'll be quite a big tour because there's that's a, that's more than 10 tour. people, to an iconic Greater Vancouver location to help them settle in, where would you take them, Peter? Well, I was going to take them skiing, okay. but that might be very pricey. Are you now. renting the? <laughs> yeah, we'd be, we'd be renting, so <laughs> yeah. might so be a bit pricey. You're, but you're um, looking at um, equipment, lift passes, travel. yeah, and the, there the goes ro- the Alfonso Davies money. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Uh, Gideon, where would you take the group? Uh, I would take them to fly over Canada um, because depends on how expensive the the signing was. Obviously, if it's yes. a you know high quality signing, you got to take them to to mm-hmm. fly over Canada or the the seawall because it's one of the cooler landscapes and. The Pacific so North, North free North. signings on the seawall. Yeah, people with transfer oh, yeah, fees sure. on the flyover yeah. Canada. Okay, I would take them to the Delta landfill so they could know how badly the Whitecaps played last season. Just a little sample. <laughs> um, yeah, the stench should stay with them. <laughs> Let's go into the preview shot. <laughs> uh, Houston this week. We seem to play Houston a loss early in the season. Can last season was last away. Season was yeah. away. They, I think they got a good result. Yeah, Breck Shea scored the winner. Oh, he did? Yeah. It's one of his better moments. Well, that's because last year, Breck Shea actually had a really good start, and then... Well, Breck Shea had that thing where he started well, yeah, and then he would finish badly. He scored against Tigress, don't forget. Um, yeah. t- Tigress who? Houston play tomorrow, as we record. Mm-hmm. Or today. today tonight. So t- I think it was tonight. That's so what Tuesday, I saw. Yeah. The, the listener doesn't need to know what day we record. <laughs> don't let them behind the curtain. <laughs> For all they know, this is live. That's true. <laughs> no, today is Tuesday, and they play Tigress be- between... The yeah. time we're recording and the time that they play the Whitecaps, so I guess they'll be tired. Tigers are a good team. They are down 2-0 from that game. 2-0 at home. So 2-0 at home, yeah. Worse than us, as we were 2-0 away. Yes, that's true. And they don't have Breck Shea either, which no. is another <laughs> Negative <reason. laughs> in the plus at the same time. I'm just saying, 
100% of the times that the Whitecaps have reached the Champions League semifinals, Brett Shea has been on the team. I wonder what the win percentage is when Brett Shea <laughs> scores for the Whitecaps. That's, there's an article idea for, for somebody. Uh, Houston, in, the, in MLS, they've won one game and tied one game to start. My memory of them is that they start strongly. Gideon, what do you think? Is that something you agree with? Yeah, I think they're one of those few Western Conference teams that tend to start out well, and then other teams like, say, Seattle come on late in the season, mm-hmm. and they kind of overpower in that West Western Conference. So, yeah, I think they are, are a team to start well, but, I mean, you no know, new year could be same management, but a couple new personnel might be able to uh, turn the tables and down in Texas. Um, Peter, you might not know this, but last year we read out, on, on, on the podcast, we read out uh, the MLS players survey that ESPN does, oh, yeah, yeah. and Wilmer Cabrera was voted the coach that no player wanted to be coached <laughs> under the most. Are you surprised he's still around? Um, like the, the, the establishment there seems to be okay not making the playoffs, but uh, what are your thoughts on like that, I, them as a club? He's kind of a unique coach. I know that he's the only coach. I read last year that he didn't let any media at any of their training sessions or anything. It was all very closed. Hmm. Um, I mean... Houston is Houston's always has always has the lowest payroll in MLS. Lowest attendance, probably. Yeah, too. lowest. Yeah, but they've I mean, got a lovely stadium, and yeah, it seems to be it's downtown empty. too. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like the expectations aren't extremely high in Houston, so I might, and that kind of has to do with the owner. So I'm not. He's not. He's not a bad coach. So yeah, I mean, uh, he's uninspiring. Yeah, but then again, like he's coaches put- are. Weird personality sometimes. He kind of fits sometimes. the kind of players they usually bring into Houston. Yeah, they have a really like they added Minor Figueroa as well this yes. offseason. Um, Minor Figueroa is one of my favorite all-time MLS players because he has like 150 caps. And he was also a country. Do You Know Who I Am victory he was. for me last yes, year. Yes, he so was. Never good. forget. Yeah. <laughs> um, their attacking core is probably the most intimidating part of, of the Houston team with Elise Manotas and Thomas Martinez as well. Mm-hmm. And they've also added this offseason. We'll talk about those additions a little bit later. Um, Peter, like, Elise is a beast when he's on form. Manotas is unstoppable, and Martinez is so, so creative. Like, can you think of a, an attacking trio that can wow a team like that? Maybe maybe Minnesota that we saw, but... I think, there's a, like, MLS is getting better and better and better, and there are a lot of teams that have really good attacks, but that it, it is a very... And they have really good chemistry as yes, well, Houston's. Like, oh, like the, the game against... It was RSL the first game they played... I noticed finished some like crazy. He back heeled some crazy cross. Like, he, he, they have a very good players. Gideon, do you think that the when like keeping these players, you can sell to them the fact that oh, you three guys or you four guys can play together and you can have free license to do whatever you yeah. want. Do you think that's a selling point? Yeah, and I think another one is the like Elise is Manotas, and while they have Kyoto. And Martinez, who plays in behind, and just those three. Like, if I was a striker and I heard, oh, you'd be playing with those kind of guys who have this kind of scoring record in MLS, and they're also all four of them young, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, I'd jump at the chance if I was, say, a midfielder or another backup striker. I'd want to play with those guys, and that's kind of maybe a reason why they got these not high profile signings, but stronger signings in the back line in the midfield this offseason. So I think that could be a selling point for sure. I, I thought their back line is like it, it was the weakest point of their team last season I, yeah, I still it think it's the weakest point of their team we'll get to the back line a little bit later but uh anyone else surprised am I the only one who's surprised that Elise is still with that team he's one of I mean they got a I think they wanted they got a six million dollar offer I think for him and then they, they wanted they higher. wanted they wanted eight yeah and it's kind of similar to Luciano Acosta in DC who had that offer from PSG for like yeah something. there and was then, a rumor about that 
that um, the coach uh, Thomas Tuchel of PSG vetoed that in the last minute because he never heard of him. Oh, that, that, that was why? that was a Twitter thing I saw. I don't know if that's the actual reason, but the, I, I thought it was money. But it could have been. But that's that's didn't go through in the end, and Acosta's a great player. Um, him and Wayne Rooney have have great chemistry. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised that he's still. I mean, I'm sort of surprised he's still there. It'll be it'll be surprising if he's still there by the end of the year. Like if he doesn't leave in the summer, mm-hmm. I'll be very surprised. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Get in. You agree? Yeah, I think w- with his situation, and it depends on their success as well. He might want to stay, but I mean, obviously, Europe is a a coaxing you know place to go. So I think that could be a, a, something to look out for this summer. Absolutely. Um, we haven't mentioned the most intimidating person on that team. It's the return of the Mac, Tommy McNamara, Chivas USA legend. Okay, no thoughts on that. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Houston play a four-two-three-one in their first in their first two games. They're very they stick to that. It's like their formation because they can get the best out of their attacking players. But you know their backline gets pretty exposed if if you can get at them. The Whitecaps have played against a four-two-three-one, I think, already this season. Yeah, um, Minnesota. I think. Yes, they did. Because Quintero was playing in the t- number ten position and all that. But um, any concerns for that? Like, do you, I I don't think Houston will go another way. But what can we say about their style in that four two three one? I'd say slightly passive. Remember last year they were a team that really liked to use the wings heavily with Elise right in the left and Kyoto at times on the right as well as Martinez. But I think they won't change it up if they've already had haven't have only dropped two points this year with the draw. I think. There's no reason for them to change it up unless, you know, Wilmer says, hey, we'll, we'll do this for the Whitecaps. But, I mean, they're playing pretty well to start the year, so yeah. why change it up? And the Whitecaps have lost two games, too, so yeah. why would they change anything? Uh, speaking of that draw that Gideon mentioned, uh, it was a 1-1 draw with RSL, and it was a snow game feature. <laughs> the return of the snow. In, the, yeah, no throw balls. No, no throw balls. No snowballs thrown. <laughs> yes. Um, that, that was, was with RSL. Was like, yeah. Right, yeah. Yes. Iconic opening, like, start of the season MLS feature is, is a snow game. Can can you guys remind me? Was it the Chicago game that the Whitecaps had that had a snow game with? Before they they played three at the back. Someone threw a snowball at Christian Dean. That was that was not RSL. That was RSL again. It was Tim Parker. Was it? Yeah. Oh, my memory is completely off. Stop scheduling was... early season games in Salt Lake City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get that because they, they. I mean, like they don't have them in. I guess Portland's renovating, but like there's a lot of more teams that could host. Games. They want to use the snowball. That's yeah, that's a marketing. Guy. thing. Yeah. it's like Peter checks. Uh, or Petr Cech's head thing. Yeah, right? there's a rumor going around that it's actually more for the advertising money than for head protection. Um, uh, allegedly, let me throw that. In. <laughs> let me throw that in there. Um, let's talk about the backline. Minor Figueroa is who formerly of FC Dallas, um, now on the team, and uh, la- uh, coming back from last year, Alejandro Funamayor. So. Those two started one game. The other guy that came in was Sterna, which I think is a new... Sterna, yeah. 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 He came from the second division in Italy. Oh, really? But um, they also added Chris Duval mm-hmm. from Montreal and... Uh, is Harrison, I don't his first name, but... Oh, uh, Marlon Harrison Yeah, Marlon from Harrison Colorado. from Colorado. Yeah, he's a winger as well. So they've reinforced... They've definitely reinforced the right-back position, and Sterna is a... You know, it seems, yeah. like, it seems like a decent signing for... Well, much like our back. new signing... From Italy, you know, it's a good standard over there. It's yeah, the de- def- defensive standard in Italy is high. So yes, uh, I don't look at that backline and think playoffs. So with you know Figueroa, Funamayor, Struna, like if well, yeah, if you asked me the same question last year, I'd have said potentially yes because they had Leonardo Machado. Yeah, um, De La Garza was in the center back conversation as well. I forgot to mention, but I think this year you're right. I think it's more of a 
overturn than than anything. And one team or a team that Houston strikes me as is a team that likes to bring players in within the MLS, and they haven't yet to prove success in that category. But I think they're one of those teams that tends to pick up within the league rather than going out of you know league to to pick up players like Struna. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, Joe Willison goal. He's been around for a while. Solid keeper. You know, not not spectacular, mm-hmm. but. Does the job right, Tyler? Yeah, yeah Tyler Derrick is around as well. The third. Yeah, well, yeah, Tyler Derrick's back, but Joe Willis had won that spot after Tyler Derrick was suspended, and he did a he did a good job because he beat. Like, I remember watching him in the Portland playoff game they had um, was it was last year or two years ago. I remember him last year, but yeah, he, he does a good. Both of those keepers do a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, can we all agree that Elise is the biggest threat on their team? Yes. Yeah. How do you stop a player like that? Oh, they're gonna have the the Whitecaps backline is gonna have to be really, really tight, and Arisa is gonna have to Arisa, whoever starts in the D mid position is gonna have to like he's gonna have to watch constantly where where Elise is. But the problem with Houston is they've just got they've got a lot of good players up yeah. front up front like in that yeah in that front four that we already mentioned. So it's difficult to just man mark. Yeah, um, and getting left back has been a position of great discussion for the Whitecaps already, and. Elise usually plays on the right. Great. <laughs> Concerns? <laughs> I, I, yes and no. I, I mean, it depends on, you know, if PC Hero is, you know, good to go or how they want to play it. Tybert, I don't think, will play left back. I just don't see him in that position. Although he's played yeah. before. Adnan, who knows what's going on with his uh, availability. Still but, not in the country as of today. Yeah, so there's reasons. similar or limited availability for him. But I think there's just ways you can break down of having a defensively smart left winger, a defensively smart left center midfielder, or, or holding mid, and then another one at left back yeah. that can kind of hold the fort. It'll, it won't take one player. It'll take a combined mm. defensive effort and left-hand side to stop yeah, him. I, I agree with that. It'll be interesting to see if... Because like if you think of Reyna, who normally does left on the left wing spot, at least right now, you don't think of him as a very defensive track back no, player. Not at all. So I, it'll be interesting to see if Reyna like but, could Reyna move inside and put somebody else there. To Gideon's point, I think if they were to change the shape of something, which is a good thing about Marco Santos' system, is that the positions are kind of fluid when you're doing a pressing system, right? Um, there's there's two aspects I think that this is more in the Whitecaps chat, but number one is cutting off the supply. So. What you don't want is for Elise to get like a through ball or like a ball to his feet in a dangerous area. So that's where the Arise thing, I think, comes in, is that you kind of put him in a position where you're cutting off that. Or it could be one of the other midfielders. It depends on the game plan once you retrieve the ball as well. The other thing is you could do something with the center backs. If you're not confident in the fullbacks one-on-one position, you ask the left-sided center back to push higher up so that the point of, of like contact with Elise is a lot sooner than then it would be in a, on a flat back line, and it's not an isolated one-on-one. It's kind of a two-on-one right from the moment Elise gets a ball. But they have Manotas, they have Martinez, Kyoto. they have Kyoto. Um, you can't... It's, it, I don't think they can tailor it to Elise, but he is the kind of player that you would tailor something to, so it's kind of a catch-22 in that, in that sense. Um, yeah, moving forward, like kind of rela- related question... Just a yes or no answer. Is this the worst time for the Whitecaps to face this attacking combo? I, I think no. I mean, as as tough as a attacking core that Houston has, I think it's a good time to get tested. The back line, you know, we had Minnesota the first game who were, you know, attacking prowess in their own. RSL, maybe not as much. They had, still have a snack. But I think this is a good test for us at the right time of the year. We're not facing the heat, so that's one thing that we can kind of 
look forward to, but because we always play in Houston or Dallas in the middle of the summer, which mm-hmm. makes no sense. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good time to a good test. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's the worst time they could. It's the worst time they could face it. I mean, if they're going to drop, if they're going to drop the three points at, at any point during the year, at least if you drop them now, you're you're kind of in that stage where you're not demanding. But um, the white, it'd be worse if the White House were facing them at home. I think in at this time right now. That's a good point because then you would expect you would expect them to press them, and you're giving all that space on the counter attack to those players. That's a very good point, actually. And the weather factor is a big thing as well. Yeah. We're getting this game out of the way, so to speak. I know you can't um, count on the schedule or you can't, like, the schedule is out of your control, but... You gotta look at the bright spots from the schedule. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, Montreal played a 4-3-3 as well. Um, it's probably implemented a little bit different under Remy Gard, but um, RSL, or RSL was the game that they tied, but then they beat Montreal 2-1. We're kind of in a similar spot to Montreal, although they seem to be perpetually in a rebuild. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's a fair comment to make, but that's the way it feels. But yeah, this is a team that seems to have a be very top heavy. Can we? Does anyone agree with that or have any thoughts on that? Yeah, and I think that in in a way that's kind of good because you have that score to rely on if your defense is playing poorly. But you can't win a championship by scoring you know ten goals a game and conceding you know eleven or twelve. So um, I think you're right. Defense is definitely something that they need to improve on, but. Scoring will will come into premium for them, so they may not need to worry about that right now. Yeah, I mean, Houston is a scary side in their attack, but at the same time, you're right, they're very top-heavy, and the Whitecaps' defense has, I mean, it's been a bit concerning, but it's also been, there's been a lot of bright spots, and there's reasons to be optimistic, so I think if the Whitecaps can put together a very tight defensive game in, like, the midfield and the defense, yeah, Houston's a team that you could find a way to score on and nick a winner. Very good. Um, Now that we've... uh done our scouting report on uh, the Houston Dynamo. It's time for this week's Do You Know Who I Am? Okay, gentlemen, do you know who I am? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you know who I am. <laughs> this person will remain a mystery until I start giving you these very choicely chosen clues. Okay, so as always, this is an MLS player. Not necessarily for the Whitecaps, although last time we did this, it was a, a it was actually the Whitecaps coach, not the uh, not a not a player. I was trying to throw a curveball for Peter's first show, but uh, didn't this, even. Just didn't phase yeah, him. Didn't no, phase him. no, he still got it. But, I uh, feel a little bit more confident this time. I've got that point under my belt. Have... Complacency, Gideon. Yes, Complacency. I'm just going to ignore that comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, we forgot to mention this last time, but when you know the answer, say stop in case two people say, have the uh, have the answer at the same time so we can differentiate who goes first. Who goes We're second. not going to deduct points, Peter, just just okay, so you know right. the general but, rule, the consensus. Yeah, you is, are under investigation. Yes. <laughs> though, <laughs> um, VAR review may be pending. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, this player. Clue number one. I am a five foot seven Scottish player. Okay, I started my career and made over a hundred appearances for Celtic. Stop. Chris Boyd? No. I have 47 caps and seven goals for Scotland. Alright. 
Usually when we pass three clues, I'm happy because that means I'm doing a good yes, job. Yeah, you, we'll play, this, we'll this is a bit harder. I played half a season for the Chicago Fire. <laughs> Stop, Sean Maloney. Sean Maloney. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Back in the wind column. <laughs> that was a, that was a I, tough I didn't want to come anywhere close was, to that. He was barely an MLS. The only, <laughs> the only reason I remember that is because he showed up for half a year and he's like, "Oh, I'll go back to England." Yeah, he was good for that half a year, but yeah. that organization were just a, a gong show. And that was this week's. Do you know who I am? Okay, 1-1 one, one for the season, I think. 1-1-0, um, one, one, oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't even mention the fact that Nick's not here, but he's, <laughs> he's still on zero. Um, yeah, it's a good, good thing about having a four-person roster. Now let's jump into the Whitecaps. It's been tough for the Whitecaps. Two defeats on the bounce. Um, we, we've all seen some bright spots. Some of us have expected this tough run of form, but if we had to assess the season so far very quickly, how would we go about that? I think expected, but... There has, as you mentioned, there has been bright spots. I mean, I might have had a bit more optimism going into this season, and now I'm being a bit more cynical. But I still went into this season expecting, not expecting us to get pick up very many results or do very well until at least at least April. So there's growing pains, but there's there's a lot of reason to be optimistic from little games. Got to pick up the little things. It's like the manners of the defeat have been like they could have been way worse, right? Like the Minnesota game was a competition that we. It was a shootout, basically, that we ended up losing. And then the RSL game was controversial, yeah, and best. Ingbom had a great game. So, you know, there's some bright spots there. And it should have been a nil-nil draw, because that penalty was absolutely crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, if you look at, if you look at San Jose, who are tied with us for last night's conference, <laughs> they, have, they have a new coach, and they're implementing a new system, and things there look much worse. Like, there wasn't a lot of... It's not like a growing pain. It's like, these things are not working. So, like... While you know the defeats may be frustrating, you can see that the system is slowly getting better and better. Like, there weren't any long balls in the RSL game, so you know, you gotta pick up the positives. But at least we scored two goals against Minnesota, whereas San Jose <laughs> got shut out three nothing at home. So there is something to think of, bring out of that. Yeah, but all our goals have been scored by center back so far. Yeah, that, that's also that, that's a big concern. <laughs> uh, who like lots of new people in, lots of people who or some people have stayed. Who are we happiest with? Just. From these first looks, personally, it's Ingbom, uh, like the touches and the vision that he had, uh, like he was on the MLS Team of the Week bench, which yeah, you, I didn't know was a thing. Like, why does your Team of the Week have a bench? Yeah, <laughs> you need somebody in the 18, of course. Yeah, yeah, in case one of your people get injured yeah. <laughs> on your MLS Team of the Week. But he's looked great. Um, Arise's had a shaky first game. It depends on who you ask, really. But you know his role on the team is very evident. Um, yeah, I mean, I've liked. I mean, the easy answer is Inbom. Everybody, he, he's he's looked great. I'm, I thought thought Kripo's been a pleasant surprise. He's been playing. There was a lot of concerns going into the season whether or not like, you know, he's a very good player, but he hasn't had a lot of MLS experience. The people asking, you know, is he capable of being an MLS number one? And so far, I don't think he's done anything wrong or like you know very concerning to say no. I agree with that. He's yeah, MLS keepers need to be. Consistent and it's he, only a two-game sample. He, but, he had a decent yeah. game against RSL. Yeah. yeah, I think I think one one of the goals against Minnesota was a tough one. You can't yeah. blame him. It was deflected, but again, he got, was looking the wrong way, which looks bad on him. But I think he did well. I think for me, it's going to be Reyna and Godoy. 
Um, Godoy, just for the goal, his offensive prowess is something that we've been lacking, well, will be lacking once Kendall's departed. So, And then Reyna is just a bright spot. He just spreads the ball around. He and Mbom will be fun to watch this year, combining the midfield. Other side of the coin, who do we think... It's only two games, so who do we think could have given a bit more in the microcosm of those two matches? Norwinski's been a little bit concerning, but I think it's a bit too soon to call judgment. But like, even with the penalty call, for example... That Which was one? not his fault. <laughs> it was. It was. Sorry, it was a very terrible call. It should not have been a penalty by any means. But he can't put himself in that position, and he's got to trust Crepo a little bit more. Because like, if you dive, if you if you have to pull out of a tackle, it gives the guy a chance to dive. I see what you mean, but in a world with VAR, this is true. They really this should be catching something yeah. like that. It should have yeah. been a yellow card to it yeah, was Bear. It, it should, yeah. Well, I hope he gets fined. I remember we had a game. I don't know if it was last year, or year before against DC at home, where it was like. The Whitecaps played really, really well, but they hit the post like four times and they just couldn't score. Mm-hmm. And then Luciano Costa dove, and then they got a terrible, terrible <laughs> penalty, and then yeah. that won the game for DC. And they find the player after suspended him. But yeah, well, I, it I hope to, that happens to Corey It happened Bear. to Kudo back in the day when there was wasn't even a good angle of him um, diving. They had like a the side view of a moving frame, and they find him one or they suspended him one game for diving to win a penalty. Like that was. That was weird. Um, Gideon, who do you, who have you been kind of just let down or disappointed by? Um, one of the guys I really like in the Whitecaps, Freddie Montero. It's not that he hasn't been... He hasn't been bad, but again, you, you feel like you just want a little bit more out of him offensively. And I think having our days come on to the, come on to the team will help him a little bit more because before he didn't have anybody to rely on if he was struggling. But I think I want to see maybe a goal out of him this weekend, a little more offensive uh, output in regards to the, finding the back of the net. Yeah, the Whitecaps' presence in the box has been non-existent outside of set pieces. Um, yeah, Montero's looked a little... He's He's been fine. He just he's looked a little bit deflated. I remember, like, under the Carl Robinson system, like, you know, that was not fit for him at all, but at least he would kind of take it and maybe he had more space, but like he would he would try to shoot from outside the box and he would try to get some shots on target and that hasn't happened so far this season. Well, but the, the role he has to play is so different now compared to yeah. the Carl Robinson system. Like, as a striker in a in this closing down, like what, I don't know what we're going to call it, but this MDS system, you're doing so much more than just attacking now, right? Like he, he has to worry about his angles. He's kind of the first point of contact. He's got a lot going on in his head, and it's not all about the attack, right? And hopefully that gets worked out eventually. He's a, he's a, I consider him a creative player. You know, he figures out how to get a shot away. Um, I think that'll come with time Yeah, as no, well. he's a really good player. I'm really happy to have him back. So, I mean, yeah, just, give, just give us some time. But. Like, I, if you had to tell, if I had to pick a striker in the offseason who, you know, were a reasonable striker to sign, it would have been him because yeah. he knows the city, he knows good with coffee. You know, if I run into him, he might give me a coupon to a store in Seattle, Freddie, if <laughs> my address is... No, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. um, let's talk about the system a little bit. It's always been the biggest talking point when MDS was going to come in, that he is a man who's going to bring a system, and we're going to learn the system, and then everything's going, to, and then we're going to win the MLS Cup, and we'll plan the parade. Um, but let's talk about what like our thoughts on the system so far. We've actually seen it in a game. Obviously, the preseason was kind of disjointed. So, um, are we still seeing an evolution of the system here? I I think so. I mean, Embalm has really helped along the process. Before he was picked up, there was a little bit of concerns about how defensively minded the the midfield was, like Arise signing and Rose and. Yeah, so I, I think him coming in has really blossomed the midfield into more of an offensive back, backing, if you will. And I think just him there 
provides us with more width and attack and being able to go forward rather than sitting back all the time. Peter, he feels like he feels like a P, uh, a FIFA player. You know? <laughs> Why? Like, yeah, yeah, he's he's. I've been really impressed. With, I thought I thought he might have trouble in MLS when it comes to like the physicality of it, but he's been really good at he's just so holding quick. his own and like yeah, not getting pushed off the ball, hard mm. situations like getting the ball back. He's a ballsy player. He's taken a number of shots outside the yeah. box that have just missed. I love that. Do you yeah. remember when David Villa came to the league first and defenders just couldn't play against him because he always thought like a few steps ahead of them, right? Ingbom kind of strikes me like that, but in the midfield positions. So like he he pivots his body. Like, like, he plants his foot to move the other direction as the ball is coming to him, which sounds kind of like a basic thing. But then when the defender tries to, like, sneak up and, like, you know, put pressure on his back, he's already on the move, right? Like, it's small yeah. things like that. And, you know, he's not the only player in the league who does that. But it's refreshing to see a creative presence. To see them in, the see them in a white cap shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of surreal, really. <laughs> but it's great. Like, I, I really think he's going to grow as the season comes in and, like... The way, just the way he played in a defeat. Yeah. Like how how often have we had a player play well in a defeat? And not only that, he said after that RSL game where I thought he was excellent, he said that he thought he had a bad game, which is like <laughs> just, that excites the hell out of me. Yeah. 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 With you. <laughs> His pessimism is yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's the brightest. He's been the brightest spot in the system so far. But I mean, I think the system just needs a little bit more. Like the chemistry's still there, yeah. right? And that's that's gonna harden it. That's gonna like, hamper it into, for a while. But once mm-hmm. the chemistry's there, I think we need to play a little bit quicker, like a bit of a quicker tempo, to kind of unlock teams quicker. So yeah. there's a bit more passing. That but will come. With that will come in time for and, sure. Ingbom has been called up to the South Korean national team. We we heard throughout his transfer um, saga that you know there was assurances on his international future. I think he started eight games before he came to to Vancouver. Um, it's great for him, right, Gideon? Like, he's staying on the biggest stage while, you know, growing his career with the Whitecaps. Yeah, and people have been criticized for coming here and not having the national team picture after that. So I think it's a good good signing for the Whitecaps. And for him to be able to play and, you know, take nothing away from South Korea. They're a great country. They played in World Cups and, they, you know, they've produced YP Lee and uh, Hyungman's son. So they produce great players. So, I mean, it's a, a great city and a chance for him to play with top players like um, Hyungman's son. Yeah, I think I've said that right. <laughs> you did, and yeah. I can't let this go by without mentioning Manchester United's Park Ji Sung. I was gonna um, say I don't think he's retired now, but still they produce. He is retired. They you know, um, those kind of funny story about Park Ji Sung is after he finished his career with Queens Park Rangers, he went back to university and he studied economics. And a true story, he went to play for his like college dorms team, and then there was someone. There was a different podcast I listened to, and someone emailed in saying, "Yeah, we showed up to play a game, and Park Ji Sung was on the other team." Like how is that fair? The guys won the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, great. Like they're a great footballing country. Yeah. They beat Germany in the last World Cup. Um, this is a complete segue, and it's not even on our running order, but I'm going with it anyway. We're not going to have a, a VAR yes no debate or anything like that. But one of my favorite moments in the World Cup that just passed, and I don't know if you guys remember it. Um, so you know how like af- because it was the first year of VAR. After every goal, there was like a moment where like is something happening? Like it, it still happens in MLS, right? Yeah. Like when the, when it goes to review. Um, co- when Korea scored their, I think their third goal against Germany, everyone thought it was offside, right? It, it was offside. Everyone stopped. Everyone had like gone back to their positions, and then the referee was like, "Oh, you want me to go check it out?" Then he went to check it out, and then they realized, "Oh, it's a totally legit goal." And even the the South Korean players were so happy that they went from like their position standings and they all rushed to the bench and it was a great moment you know, you know far isn't all that bad 
A lot of people say it takes the momentum out of the... I'm an advocate of VAR. It takes like 30 seconds. But, like, <laughs> MLS VAR is different. This, uh, this, Please this see is, There still needs to be... This is true. RSL. There's still improvements. It's what, two years in now? So yeah. I, think I think the World Cup implementation has been the one I, I like the most, though. Where the process was super clear. Yeah. Like they had those videos out before the tournament about how the... VAR was going to be implemented, and the World is, Cup won a lot of people who were against VAR yeah. over. That's but is like, that like a, a, a thing against referees, or is that the implementation MLS? Well, like in that sense, how how would you pinpoint the poorness of the the VAR? MLS has two issues: is that the referees refereeing standard didn't grow as quick as the playing standard, and and because the playing standard went up, the amount of exposure and publicity the league has. So the I think the refereeing has been left behind by that. And then the other thing is that they adopted VAR earlier than everyone else, so they're kind of stuck with this older version of, of VAR. Like, Howard Webb came over and helped implement it. Um, yeah, like, I, I know that the today, actually, um, which is Tuesday, the official rules of the game have been updated. Um, they're very subtle changes, um, and as I think as of, as of June 1st, these new rules will be um, implemented. But it changes, ha- like, how handballs work. There's a couple of things, like, you know, when you take a goal kick and the player touches it before it comes out of the box that's no longer a thing um like some of them are pretty important changes the handball one is definitely the biggest one because um they took the way the word deliberate out of the rules so mm, now even uh, if you that is important yeah now even if the hand like if your hand touches the ball yeah, that's... yeah if you make your body bigger they have certain parameters um if you score a goal with your hand even if it's an accident now it's still a foul um, there's some other things too, like if the re- if the referee accidentally touches the ball and the uh, it creates a goal scoring opportunity. Oh, like the happened like that happened in the Kansas LAFC yeah, game. Yeah. If that, but if that happened after June, then it would have been a drop or a drop ball to the uh, defending team or something. Like th- yeah, they took they took away the fact that the, that the referee could influence a goal basically. Um, so I think that's a it's important to to constantly be improving the rules i mean yeah we like we complain about var but because you see a mistake that an mls official has made and then it doesn't get corrected but if we didn't have var in the first place it wouldn't get corrected at all yeah i mean it's, it's only it's only opportunities where var causes a goal incorrectly like where it overturn where it makes a penalty happen that wasn't going to happen that it's frustrating but otherwise it's really more just it's it's frustrating that when the var officials can't with all their angles can't seem to see mm-hmm. what everybody else sees like like yeah. the RSL game but they're mode. under pressure like nobody else yeah. is right that's true um, it's supposed to be like this safety net and I don't think it's used as a safety net all the time but it goes back to how you implement it uh, I think the leagues need to be flexible and to learn from their mistakes um, okay back to the Whitecaps we took a very a huge huge <laughs> De- tangent there um, two difficult results I asked this last time I was on the show Stick or twist with the system and with the personnel. Uh, stick with the like the 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 way we play. Change the personnel. Okay. Just slightly, I think. We'll go through our lineups in a second, yeah. so we can talk about that, uh, Peter. So yeah, stick with the. I mean, you can't just go away from the system, so stick with the with the system. Mm-hmm. But I might twist the formation and the players. Oh really. You you could twist this formation without twisting the system. I, I see what you mean by that. Okay, let's go. Let's start from the goalie then. We're going with Crepo, or we're we going yeah, with we're going, we're yeah. going with Crepo. All right. Um, backline, center backs, Henry and Cornelius, or are we or Godoy? Godoy, Godoy, Godoy. Okay, yeah, Godoy, Godoy and Henry. Yeah. Well, see, okay. I was thinking in my formation a three-five 
too. But, oh, but like, okay. we don't oh, say that on this show. We do not say that on this show. <laughs> we, okay, three, five, two. You'd have Cornelius Henry and Godoy um, yeah. on the back. Okay, um, Gideon. We're not going three, five, two. I'm no. just forgetting his seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's new. He's... Yeah, it's okay. Um, <laughs> all right, so fullbacks then and wingbacks for Gideon, I guess. Um, PC and Nerwinski. Yeah. Yeah, I would do the same. Okay, and... Yeah, unless they want to go with Sutter, I just don't think... A lot of people have been calling for Sutter to start in the... I think Norwinski deserves a bit more time. Yeah, I think I, you stick with I think Nerwinski. you have yeah, to stick because... with him for, for at least at least a few more games, yeah. and then if it continues to get worse, then, like, or stay... Like, if it, he makes more errors, then you can put Sutter in. It's hard to take a player out who's made a mistake, and that's not really mm-hmm. how you teach him things when you put him on the bench, so... Yeah. Um, center mids... We have Arise, uh, Felipe, was it? Who was playing? No, sorry, Ingbom. It was Ingbom, Arise, and Rose last and game. And Rose, yeah. there we go. Rose had a chance, but he, he missed it. Um, I think it was Ingbom's through ball that uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. rushing. That was a good chance that he... Uh, it was a tough chance, actually. But um, Is that the midfield three we're going with? There's rumors that Tybert could be could be back. I would personally have Tybert. If Tybert is fit, I up. think he yeah. should be in there. And, over... and uh, Felipe is... Not in the team then? I think he's on the bench. He can come in. He's an energizer bunny off the bench, so might okay. as well have him in your back pocket. Um, Peter, you have two strikers. Who are you? So it's Ardes and Montero? I mean, yeah, I would go with Ardes and Montero, and then I'd bring Reyna on at some point in the match, okay. whoever was struggling the most. You wouldn't start Reyna? I would, I would start... I want to see Ardes and Montero. I want Ray, to see that. Reyna, I do, but Reyna I don't also got want... called up, so he, maybe he needs a break. Yeah. <laughs> he's not going to start for Peru, though, I don't think. Probably not. They have Rui Diaz. They have yeah. Carrillo. They have a bunch of different players. In in the four two or in the four three three, I think it's Bangura, um, Reyna, and Montero. Yeah, and I think to 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 what Peter is also saying, I like the the idea of the two strikers because of the hold up play and how little of the ball you'll get. So I like that be able to be direct, but I think that's more of a second half thing. Yes. Um. Because what if Montero gets injured and we bring our days on and then yeah yeah and we so. still have Venuso that we haven't. Thought about either. Yeah, he and could I, be off the bench. I think. But uh, from what I saw in Bangor in the first 40, 45 minutes of his debut against Minnesota, he was very, he got tracked back very well. He went pretty deep. He switched with Reyna, so he's a pretty tricky yeah. player, but he's also defensively reliable. Okay. Uh, let's go to our prediction game then. A quick recap of last time. So I'm, I'm only counting the first show for now. Uh, Gideon, you said that uh, the, that the Whitecaps against Minnesota would have four shots. They actually had eleven shots. So I'm not making Mobile. fun of you. <laughs> Arise would get an assist. That didn't happen, unfortunately. You said that Minnesota would have 55% possession. They had 50.4, just outside of the range of acceptability. Nick, um, who is not here, uh, rest in peace, <laughs> Schuller would have 85% pass accuracy. He actually had 79, but he did play on the wing. So 79% pass accuracy on the wing is still pretty good. Um, Henry would have three headers. I could only find one, uh, but it was a headed clearance. So anyway, we're not going to count it. McMath would have six saves. McMath saved his seat on the bench. He didn't start the game. So. <laughs> Peter, you said that Henry would have six clearances. He had eight. Reyna would score. That didn't happen. And you said that Alonso wouldn't start. Yeah, that was a bold move. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the the boldest prediction of, of all. And that, okay, first, first game, right. we'll just let it that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I said that the Caps would not score any goals. I that. should have said their strikers wouldn't score any goals, <laughs> but they did get two. Quintero would get an assist. That did happen. That did happen. And that the Caps would have 60% possession. Uh, they had 49. 
So one point for me. You guys have to learn. Okay, pick easy. Pick <laughs> well, I'll give you guys a pep talk after after we record. Okay. Um, quickly to some questions before we finish up. Uh, Soccer boy asks, who will be the first player to be suspended this year? I think it's Arise because he already got a yellow card. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think it's going to be Godoy. Stand with my decision. Oh for yeah, the first game yeah. of the year. Um, who scores first, um, Montero or Ardes? Up between those two. Yes. I feel like our day is honestly. Really, I think Montero. Montero. I think I, I, I. No, I'll stick with our days. This is going to be the game. Montero bags a goal. Catch it right now. <laughs> um, that was from Jack McGraw, and the next question is from Taylor Stephen. Was RSL a step in the right direction? What does the next step in the right direction this weekend look like against Houston? If not a convincing win in Texas, so if it's not a win, what is it? I think a, a score draw is fine. A one-one would be. Yeah, I think that'd be okay. I think a clean sheet, as much as last week could be considered a clean sheet because of the poor PK given. Yeah. I think a clean sheet's definitely. A it's feasible. a psychological clean sheet last yeah. week. Barcelona yes. was a step in the right direction. They got rid of the long balls. I think I would just hope that it was a bit quicker. The yeah. tempo. They're in, still if, detoxing. Uh, but like, Robinson. I know there's like seven new players in the starting lineup, but <laughs> that's my read on the situation. Last question from Rituro. With zero points in the first two matches, should the Whitecaps supporters blame Michael McCall or Joe DC first? It's got to be McCall. It's got to be Michael. Yeah, I think there's consensus on that one. People on Twitter don't agree with us, but hey. <laughs> uh, we're the ones in front of the microphone. Um, let's get your predictions for this week. Um, this game against Houston, three predictions each. Right now I'm um, way ahead of you guys in the standings with one point, so try and make them good. Get one point, Joe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the Whitecaps will score a goal. Oh, come on. Oh, that's... You can't. <laughs> okay, okay, I think they'll score... You can have that okay. one, but they'll that, if they score two goals... Okay, I'll say they'll score. I saw they'll score one one goal in the last fifty minutes of the game. Fifty? Fifteen. Fifteen. Last okay. fifty okay. minutes of the I, game. That is acceptable. That's fair. Uh, Jake Nowinski will have three interceptions. Okay. And Seren will have a yellow card. Sounds good, Peter. Um, Crepo will make five saves. Mm-hmm. Huang will have an eighty-six percent pass accuracy, and Martinez will create two key chances. Very good. Or two key passes, you know, whatever you want to call it. We're big, we're very big fans of key passes on this podcast. Key passes and pass accuracy. It's like you took up for the Nick, you know. Well, Nick actually did with... send his predictions okay. from All beyond right. the grave. Um, Imbalm assist, which could happen. Uh, Elise goal, which really, really could happen. And he thinks that Tybert will start and make four tackles. I could see all of those three happening. Yeah, actually. those are actually that's, pretty that's good. not bad. Those are pretty good all right, I'm going with the Montero goal. Um, Elise assist, because why not? And that's. Both teams will score in the second half. All right. I really hope Montero scores. I think that will really a, generate really, the attack. We really, really need a striker to score. Um, Gideon and Peter, where can people find you online? Uh, I am at underscore Gideon Hill on Twitter. I am at Peter Hickens with an S on Twitter. And I am at Joe DC Van. Thank you very much for listening to episode... 329. 329 of the <laughs> AFTN podcast. Enjoy the game. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, friendly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Ah, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?